good morning. It's Ken Walls. Welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am really excited today. I have a super, super special guest on the show today. Um, and, and I have a, like, there's a little, little something I'll tell you guys about this woman, um, here, here in a minute, but, um, it's a, it's it's actually pretty cool, but um, I want to welcome Chelsea Matthews to the show. Chelsea, welcome! Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. Oh, I am so thrilled to have you on, and and you know I love you and your husband, and I, you guys are amazing. So um, the the little secret I want to let everybody in on is. Um, Back in October of last year, I published my book on October the 6th, and it, there was a, a um, I forget how, exactly how it all went down, but I was on one of you and Martin's live streams, and you started calling me Walls of Steel, you start, yep. and a couple of other things, and you started, <laughs> you started, started, and then at some point you said Walls of Wisdom or something like that, and and so when I wrote my book, I couldn't figure out what to title it. And my wife and I were talking about it. And she's like, well, why don't you call it Walls of Wisdom? And and I'm like, have you been talking to Chelsea? And she's like, <laughs> who's Chelsea? <laughs> and I go, oh, my God, that's confirmation. So I, I called my book Walls of Wisdom, Turning Pain into Profit. And it's because of you and my wife. So Great minds, great minds think alike. Right, I know. So, <laughs> um, so thank you for the title to my book. Um, and and listen, so as as you know, I created this show to um, help people have a breakthrough in life. And I'm trying to pull up the the video here on my phone at the same time. But um, so it's to you know it's to help people have a breakthrough. And and you know as well as I do. People get stuck in life and they don't know how to get unstuck. And that's what this is all about is I truly believe that we, we grow um, in life by hearing other people's stories of failure and growth, right? So oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Martin Matthews says in the comments, who's that hot chick? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tell him so. she's taken. <laughs> yeah, sorry, dude. She's married. She's taken. So, so, um, so, Chelsea, let's start with um, let's let's talk about. Tell everybody, you know, first introduce yourself, who you are, and and where you were born and raised. Okay. Well, my name is Chelsea Matthews. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining. And um, currently, I, uh, my husband and I, well, my husband was on the show uh, the other day. We wrote this book, Let's Fight About Money. Uh, we have a financial business, and I'm sure we'll get all into that. But where I'm originally from is uh, Northern California in like a tiny little town. I say I grew up in the forest because um, it's in between Sacramento and Tahoe, like in the foothills. Little tiny, tiny town called Grass Valley. There's two towns, actually. Grass Valley and Nevada City are right next to each other. And they're kind of like little hippie towns. And um, it's a beautiful area. My mom still lives there. And I love to go and visit for a couple days and then leave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've always been a city girl. Like, even growing up in a little town, I knew I wanted to be in the city. 
And um, so when I turned 18, I moved to the big city, Sacramento. And uh, that was like the big city for me. And um, I was in school. I actually, a lot of people don't know this. I was actually an acting major. I was a theater arts major. And um, I was was doing theater there. And I was going to go to L.A. and do the film and television program there. I was going to go to Hollywood and be, you know, on the big screen. And um, I also, actually, when I first the reason I moved to Sacramento is I started working for E-Trade Securities. That was like my first corporate America job. I took my Series 7. I was like the youngest person hired there at 18. And um, it was exciting for a little bit. But um, at 18, it just it did, wasn't really like my thing sitting at a desk, being on the phone, staring at the computer. Right. And... Um, I actually left that and I started becoming a personal trainer. I was always into like fitness and um, so as a personal trainer, I trained for like fitness competitions and um, I was really into it, but I was also, that's when I was also going to school for theater arts. So it's kind of like into a lot of different things, trying to like, you know, find my way. So let me me ask you this though, hang on, hang on. So okay. we're like moving quickly through your life story. <laughs> let's let's put the brakes on. <laughs> let's back up just a little bit because I want to know, you know, what was childhood like for you? I mean, what, because and here's here's why I want to know. I think that there's always some kind of a a um, an influence or you know something that happens as a child or people in our lives that, that kind of shape us and, and, and form us as, as you already know, you talk about it, right? A lot, actually. Um, you know, so what, what was that influence in your childhood that, that, that pushed you into all of this stuff you got into? So, well, my parents were both really big influences on me. My mom is like this super strong, teeny tiny little Italian feisty lady and um, I always no matter what happened she always like figured it out she always always made things happen and she was always just this strong you know person in my life and my dad um, I really also learned a lot of like work, work ethic from my dad he was always working really hard both of my parents were were entrepreneurs and my dad was in construction, and um, he built uh, homes, and I actually kind of, like, grew up going to the job with him. So I had, like, my little tool belt, and I would do little jobs. And actually, both of my parents, I would often go to work with them, and they would give me, you know, these different jobs, and I loved taking on responsibility, actually. I always wanted, like, responsibility. I wanted... Um, to have a sense of like ownership in things. And actually my mom, she um, produced concerts for the local radio station. So she would put on these shows and she would have all these volunteers and I would, I would help at these events and I would actually sometimes be in charge of the volunteers. So so you're like naturally a, 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 a natural born event planner as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah you it. are so much like my wife. I swear, it's unbelievable. <laughs> wow, we, I gotta, I gotta meet her. 
I know you really you do. Chat. You guys have so much in common. She was in theater in college, and and yeah. So I she didn't made she majored in language, but um. So so, wow. So both of your parents were entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Your dad was in construction, so you can swing a hammer. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So what kind of construction? Building homes. Yeah, so he built spec homes okay. um, for a while, and then he moved to the Bay Area. My parents divorced when I was in uh, third grade. Okay. Yeah, it was third grade going into fourth grade. And um, I always learned, they were like the most friendly divorce I've ever seen. Like, my aunt and uncle got divorced, they lived across the street, and it was horrible. They like fought all the time, they used my cousin against each other. But my mom and dad, they never really fought. They always made me a priority. They always stayed friends to this day that they're they're still friends. Wow. And so I really saw that even if things don't work out, like it doesn't have to be this horrible nightmare. Like you can put the kids first and you can work <laughs> together and make it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Your husband's over here making comments. <laughs> he said she has a tool belt. <laughs> Yes, yes, I am the handyman in the house. <laughs> I don't know what kind of inappropriate comments he's probably making. I can't. No, he's him. not. He just said she has a tool belt. That just cracked me up. <laughs> yes, oh, I'm the tool owner in the house. I love it. I love it. That's funny. Wow. So, so, so you, you had, so you went through the divorce thing, um, mm-hmm. as, and third grade, you said, right? Um, yeah. and it sounds like the most amicable divorce on the planet ever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and I'll tell you one thing that really did have an impact, um, in my life. I was actually raised as a Jehovah's witness. So, like, growing up, I didn't have birthdays, I didn't have holidays, I didn't have, basically, I would say anything fun, I was not allowed to do. Wow. And so, that was until I was 15, Um, and that really started putting a strain on my relationship with my parents, because, well, my mom was Jehovah's Witness, my dad wasn't. Okay. And um, so, that really, because it was so strict, and... um, my mom could see she was going to make me like go to church and be Jehovah's Witness until I was 18. And it really was like, it wasn't something that, um, that was my own. And so it really started causing, you know, friction between us. So when I was about 15, I think she stopped making me go. And at that point, after having so, so much like strictness of like, you know, you can and can't do this that when I started getting to make choices for my own, I kind of like didn't know where to draw the line. And I went a little, you know, off the deep end. I went to see like everything that I could get away with. Yeah. And that's when I really kind of started getting in trouble as a kid. Oh, (laughs) so you got in trouble. Okay. Now it's getting juicy. All right. So, so... So Chelsea, like, see, I would never, I would never ever guess you to be in trouble ever. Like you you just, I was a bad kid. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So, so, well, what, what was, uh, what, 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 what'd you end up getting into? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I'll say, um, I mean, I so growing up in a small town, there's not a whole lot to do. There's a lot of um, extracurricular activities, yeah. some different kinds of substances, you yeah. know, that yeah. I that I tried and experimented with. But I'll say probably <clears throat> in um, fifth grade, and you know, looking back, I've. I never really thought that my parents' divorce really had an impact on me because they really put so much focus on making sure that I was okay, that I knew it didn't have to do with me, you know, making sure that they made me number one. But um, I would say in about fifth grade, um, my teacher, I almost didn't pass fifth grade because I just didn't turn in my work. And I was such a perfectionist that if I felt like it wasn't good enough or the best or I just didn't feel like doing it, I just wouldn't do it. And so I didn't have enough work turned in to actually move on to the next grade. But the teachers told my parents that, well, she's so social that if we don't move her along with her friends, that could be more detrimental so they actually they're like we know that she it's not like she doesn't understand the work she's just not doing it right so they really kind of just like moved me along to the next grade and at that point I think that was really a defining moment for me because at that moment I realized I don't have to really do the work and I could just (laughs) get away with it and that's kind of how I did the rest of my school is I I actually would spend more time figuring out ways (laughs) to get out of doing the work or finding somebody to do it for me that I didn't actually do it myself. And so I think that that really led to a lot of confidence issues Yeah. because what I've learned now is confidence comes from competence, like being knowing that you know something. Right. And so if I wasn't going through the actual exercise of learning something, then I didn't have the confidence that I knew how to do it. And I think at that point I started putting my confidence in myself and in other people and what they thought about me. And so for a long time, I think that I would, I I started searching for my validation through other people. Right. Wow. Wow. So, so was that, what is that? Was that laziness or you just, or, or was it just, I, I just don't care. Um, I think maybe a little bit of both. And I think probably maybe if I had a challenge with something and I didn't necessarily, maybe I wasn't sure how to get through it. And so instead of developing the muscle of pushing through, right, I right. just would give up. Yeah. And, um, I get and that. I've seen, yeah. And I, and I've seen some of that. We've worked through a lot of that with William. I've seen a lot of the same things in school, challenges with him. And I think it really has to do with the school system and the way that kids are taught because they're not really taught how to learn. They're just taught how to memorize things and how to pass tests. So it's not actually building an understanding. And so if, if, if there's a combination of like, a lack of interest in what you're learning right. and a lack of understanding and how to actually learn it. Right. Then I think it's very common for kids to just lose interest in school. I agree with you thousand percent. Um, in fact, I was the same exact way. And, and, you know, we've talked about this. I think the education system is really whacked out in this, in this country. So, um, and it's gotta be fixed cause it's not going to get better. So, um, and, and that's why people like us, we can make a difference. 
And totally. So, so you ended up, um, <clears throat> you did graduate from high school, right? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. Well, well you know what's funny? Um, I, so I was watching when you were interviewing uh, Martin on uh-huh. Monday, uh-huh. and you were talking about right before you graduated, and they said, oh, you, you have these credits in like biology or something. Yeah, biology. Yeah. So I had, um, it was about two weeks before graduation, <clears throat> and I had actually talked my parents into letting me transfer into this school that was, was kind of like an alternative like independent study it was at school but it was kind of like home study so you kind of like guide yourself yeah and um about two weeks before i was uh, graduating the teacher told me Mm -hmm. i had like 10 credits or something in like math and history or something um that i needed before i graduated that was two weeks 10 credits is a lot yeah and so i literally I literally took paper and I wrote down just random numbers, random numbers and some random words and I turned it in and I graduated. Are <laughs> so you I'm telling kidding? you there at, at, after fifth grade there was like this pattern yeah. that I would have people just kind of pushed me along. And I just got away with not doing a lot of the work. And so it really caused a lot of, you know, I had to really like learn that later on in life. Right. To actually, oh, if I really want to move forward, if I really want to reach my goals, I'm going to have to actually learn this stuff. Right. Right. So it seemed like it was cool going through school. Right. And made things easier, but it really ended up making things harder down the road. Well, and again, you know, um, as I talked about with Martin and I've talked about with many people, you know, I, I, I didn't, I've, I've, and I'm not bragging, but I've taken the IQ test a couple of times and, and, um, you know, I don't know how much I even believe in those things, but I've taken them and, and, and tested out at, at genius level. And, and don't be modest. I I know. I know. So Martin that. What's that? You were just telling Martin. I know. That. I know. I admit you're smart. So, you're so, but I, you know, I didn't, I didn't graduate high school, and I'm like because of a stupid biology credit, and I had taken analytic geometry, calculus, trig, all of that stuff, and and aced it, all of it. I was like a math like whiz, and and so. You know, but what I learned later in life is, you know, that 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 piece of paper, although I'm not I don't encourage anybody to drop out of school, um, that piece of paper is not going to determine success for you in life. What is going to I think you're going to agree is your self-education, what you're doing to learn today, what you've done over the I'll I'll be 50 on Tuesday. I'm going to be 50 years old on Tuesday. No way. Can you believe that crap? No, oh. Anyway, that. so like, you know, but I I think about like the thousands of books that I've read. And I'm talking a lot of books. And 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 it's all because at 20 years old I realized I didn't know shit. I didn't know anything. And I had a lot to learn. And and so you know, I, I, I mean, and it sounds like you're exactly the same way. Totally, totally. And you know what I've told William? Um, Your son, husband his, is. 
that? What, he what said, he shouldn't now? even be. I'm, I'm kidding. He said lots of geniuses drop out. We too smart to fall in the trap. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, you know, William, he's asked multiple times, like, do I really need to finish school? Like, can I just quit school and, like, do my business and have a life and, like, do the things that are important? And I tell yes. him, you know, if, if it wasn't illegal, <laughs> I might consider it. Right. But what I've told him, the main thing to get out of school is, for one, really is to develop a habit of learning, develop the discipline of learning and doing things that you don't want to do. Right. Because even in life doing, you know, your favorite things, there's going to be pieces in there that you don't particularly like. Right. I almost went into school for interior design right after high school, but I interviewed an interior designer and I found out that most of it was actually paperwork. You weren't like out designing all the time. Right. And I thought, I don't want to sit at a desk and do paperwork. I don't want to do that. So it was like I hadn't developed that discipline that, hey, you're still going to have to do some things that are not your favorite. Right. And so I said, this is the time to learn that discipline because there's going to be things you don't like in school. There's going to be teachers that are not your favorite. And it's really a chance to develop, learn how to work with people that you may not get along with right? and learn how to do the things that you don't necessarily want to do, but develop that discipline. And that's what I think is probably the most beneficial these days in school. It's, it's true. I mean, I, I, I can't, you know, I think about like, I, I like history now. I like kind of, mm-hmm. you know, but, but like, is it, is it real? Is it applicable for life? Right. Maybe, maybe the one thing that it may be applicable for is 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 being able to converse, have a conversation with other yeah. people, right? But like, <laughs> who cares? Who cares who the first president was? He's dead. I don't care. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, there are there are some other types of schools popping up, and I've looked into yeah. all different kinds of. Uh, school systems and there are some project-based schools where you actually get get to apply the subjects instead of just learning out of a book how to do math problems you're actually building something using math yes or you know you're discovering something using science and putting all the things together to actually use them in the real world and I think that's awesome I think that's really where school should that's where all schools should be (laughs) Martin said, Ken Walls will give a billion dollars to everyone who shares. <laughs> What's wrong I with him? I love it. What is wrong with him? Yeah, and, and Martin will double match every dime I give away. So, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so. Um, okay, we, I, I, like, he's throwing me off. I'm going to block him from the screen. <laughs> so. So, okay, you, so you went, ended up, you graduated college, barely, 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 or high school, I mean. No, barely. yeah, no, I didn't graduate college. No, 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 <laughs> high school, high school. Um, yeah. And you, you barely squeaked by, and then you mm-hmm. went out, and, and what'd you do? Did you go to college at that point? Is that when you started? So, um, yeah, I was going to do a uh, school for interior design. Okay. I was going to go to a school in Long Beach, and it was like a trade school, like a two-year school. 
And um, I had an interview with the, um, like, dean of the school or whatever it's called. And um, she said, her first question is, do you know this is what you want to do? Like, this is your number one choice. And I said, I think so. And she said, (laughs) okay, well, let me stop you there because this school has, like, 600 students. It's very specialized. It's like, you know that's what you want to do. So she's like, why don't you take some classes in, you know, junior college and figure out exactly what you want to do and then you can – then you can come back if you want to. So that's when I got um, a job at E-Trade and I moved to Sacramento and then it kind of got to be where I wanted to make money. So at E-Trade, what did you do there? So I started in customer service. Okay. And um, at this time, oh my gosh, E-Trade was just uh, really starting to explode. And so... There, it was when I started there, it was one building, like two floors. And by the time I left, it was three buildings, three, three story buildings on the property. And, um, it was really, really fun and exciting. Um, there was, we didn't know anything about anything. And so we started in customer service. They were just hiring as many people as they could. They just needed to get, like, if you could breathe, they would hire you. And people are waiting on the phone to talk to somebody for like an hour. And then they would get someone on the phone and they would ask a question and they couldn't answer it. So then they had to, we had to put the person on hold and go find our supervisor and ask the question. Wow. Wait in line to get the answer, then come back. And then they'd have another question. <laughs> I mean, it was like wow. crazy. And um, I remember the first uh, first time they made 100,000 trades in a day, we all got $100 cash. And then uh, we, they did 200,000 trades in a day. We all got $200 cash. And then um, they wanted us to take our Series 7. So I studied for my Series 7. But E-Trade is like self-directed. So it's not really like you call and you get advice from a broker. Right. So it was like a $2 raise. It wasn't like, oh, I could be this rich stockbroker, you right. know, uh, like a lot of other uh, brokerage firms that people were at. And so um, it got more and more corporate as it grew. And um, it wasn't as fun. (laughs) And, and, you know, I hadn't developed that muscle yet of like doing the things that weren't as fun. And so I started thinking, what, you know, what do I really love to do? Well, I love working out. I love going to the gym. And so, um, so I talked to the fitness manager at the gym I was going to, and he started training me to be a fitness trainer. So at that time, um, I left E-Trade, and uh, then I started becoming a personal trainer. And I was in school. I was in school this whole time. Um, And for a while, I thought, okay, I was going to go to school for kinesiology, and I was going to do, like, sports training and, you know, all of this. Yeah. And there was something I've always loved acting and theater, but I was always like shy. I I wasn't necessarily shy. Um, you you see, you seem really shy. I know. I, I actually <laughs> in second grade, I I stopped. I used to be super super quiet, and I would talk so quiet that like nobody could hear me. And my teacher said, Chelsea. You have to talk like you're talking to the whole world, and the whole world has to hear what you're saying. So somehow that clicked, I think. And wow. Now you, know, now you can't shut me up. <laughs> 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 so I always had this, like, desire 
to be an actor. I loved theater. I loved movies. But I was so afraid of putting myself out there Yeah. that I felt like if I tried my best and it wasn't good, I, I couldn't handle that. So I gave myself a test and I took a theater class and I said, okay, if I do well at it, I'm going to continue. And if I suck at it, then that's it. I'm not going to continue. And so I took the class and I did really well and I loved it. I really, really loved it. So then I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I do theater arts, and then I'm going to LA, and then that was my, you know, that was my plan from from there. Wow, <laughs> holy moly! So, okay, so um, you did you end up in LA? No, I met oh. a guy. <laughs> you met a guy. I met a guy. Uh oh. And we moved to Las Vegas. Oh, <laughs> ew! I've lived there. <laughs> yes. I moved back and forth from California and Las Vegas like three times. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so so I met this guy, and I told him this is my plan. I'm going to go to uh, L.A., and I'm going to go to Hollywood. And he was going to Las Vegas. He was doing uh, mortgage loans, okay. subprime lending. This was like in 2003. Oh, yeah. Subprime lending. He was a predator. <laughs> yes, he wanted to go to Vegas and uh, get into real estate and all of this stuff. So he's like, come to, come with me. I totally support your dreams. Oh, we'll get a place in Vegas. We'll get a place in, in L.A. and you can do your school. So, um, you know, it sounded like a really great idea. <laughs> so, so I go to Las Vegas. <clears throat> I ended up getting into real estate. And um, it ended up, surprisingly, it ended up being a very unhealthy relationship. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I was going to say, it it sounded like this was off to a good start. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) After dating about three months, we moved to Las Vegas. And somehow, I thought for sure my parents were going to think this was like a crazy, horrible idea. I don't know if they thought, if they like opposed it, that I would just you know, run off and shut them out or something. So yeah. maybe they were, but somehow they didn't seem to think that it was a horrible idea. Wow. But, um, yeah, so I ended up going to Las Vegas. I got into real estate and we were buying and selling real estate. And, um, I was there about a year and a half and then something happened that totally changed the rest of my life. And the things that I wouldn't do for myself, like getting out of an unhealthy relationship, um, all changed in an instant when I found out I was having William. Wow. So that's that was in um, 2004. And you were in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and so I ended up actually moving back to California to be closer to my family. Okay. To Sac- Sacramento? Um, I moved actually back to Grass Valley. Okay. And wow. I actually moved in with my mom for a little bit. Okay. And I was 24 years old, and I felt like this like teenage pregnancy, yeah. um, because you know I moved back home and I was starting all over. And even though I was 24, I wasn't a teenager, but I just felt I was not ready. Right. And um, but I knew that the the choices I wasn't making for myself, I was not going to put another person another person in right and so I knew like I have to make a change and so I was going to get my real estate license there in California I was working for a real estate agent 
And then William decided he wasn't going to wait around, and he was born three and a half months early. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so he was in the NICU for about three and a half months. And um, he was on a ventilator for two months. And uh, I didn't get a hold of him for a month and three days. What? He was was two pounds, six ounces. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that was like completely life-changing, completely crazy time. And I'll tell you something about this is probably the first true moment that I understood the importance of financial security because I had saved money that I made in real estate. Mm. And um, when I moved back to California, um, the hospital that I had William in, they didn't have a NICU. They didn't have a setup for preemies, nothing. They had to take him an hour away oh, wow. um, to Sacramento, to UC Davis. <clears throat> and so because I had that money set aside, I well, I didn't care if I had it set aside or not. It right. made it possible financially to do right. it. Right. But I quit my job and I moved to Sacramento. Wow. And I basically stayed... Almost, I stayed like on the hospital campus pretty much for three and a half months. Wow. And um, I was able to do that financially because I had set yeah. this money aside. And there were other parents who they couldn't come and see their babies every day because they had uh, to go to work. I can't imagine. It, yeah. It, I had no idea how common uh, premature babies are until I walked into that room and there was like 20 other babies. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and it's amazing what these nurses and doctors do for these teeny little babies yeah and um so march of dimes and ronald mcdonald house became a very important very important um, organizations for me in fact they had a ronald mcdonald house on the uc davis campus and that's where i lived wow i lived there i could stay there for a month at a time and then i had to leave for a week yeah so then i would stay there for a month and then leave for a week and so, wow. yeah, that um, that organization is really, really dear to my heart because of what they do for those families. My my wife and her family have um, have received have been beneficiaries of that because her um, her brother was diagnosed with leukemia at six years mm-hmm. old, and and so they um, they you know they went through and you know he he's he's doing well he's you know in his well he's. Anyway, so they they had to go th- they had to go through that too, and and thank God for that organization. Yes, yeah, right, it's amazing. Yeah, so um, so William was um, made a grand entrance into the world. Yes, and... multi million dollar baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, so he should just be allowed to quit school. I mean, come on. Anyway, I'm yeah, kidding. Right? I'm kidding. But so, so the, um, and it's funny, Abigail, our little one asks that all the time. She's like, I, I really, she's eight. Like, she's like, yeah. I, I don't, I, I, she hates school. And I can totally relate to that. So, um, but, you know, let me ask, let me ask you this. So, so at this point, William comes into the world. Mm-hmm. You finally get him out of the hospital. I'm assuming at that point, did you go back to your mom's for a while? No. Um, no. I got a house in Sacramento because we wanted to stay close to the hospital. Oh, got you. He had yeah. a lot of follow-up appointments. Yeah. He had to get laser surgery on his eye. I mean, there was like wow. all kinds of things. And so um, I was able to actually stay home with him for like about a year and a half. I stayed home with him. And um, 
I did actually start doing my um, my friend. One of my friends in Vegas had a VIP concierge company, and so he would put on events and yeah. parties. And so I actually started working from home for him doing like sales and marketing. So I was selling like Vegas party packages from home in Sacramento. Nice. <laughs> with my little baby. And there was, you know, it was great to be able to stay home with him. But I also went through a huge depression because I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do with my life? Like for the first year, I couldn't really take him anywhere because – his immune system was not very strong. You know, right. I couldn't take him out around a lot of people. And so I thought, how am I going to go? I can't go take him to daycare. Like, how? How? what am I going to do, you know? And so um, my mom actually, she had brought by these. Oh, and I would literally, <laughs> I would lay in bed. I, I was so depressed at one point. I would lay in bed watching TV all day, eating like, a box of Oreos. <laughs> and I just what? would think. What's wrong with that? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, here and there, it, it <laughs> might be okay. You know, yeah. but like that can't sustain you, you know, for a lifetime. And then I thought like, this is not the example I want to teach my child. You right. know, this is not the life I want him to live. So it really, uh, being a mom has been such a savior in so many ways because a lot of the things that I didn't do for myself I would not stand for for William. And so it's really helped me pick myself up and want to set an example for him. And then through that, I've kind of learned to build my confidence, build my self-love to realize like, oh, I do want to do it for myself too. But um, there was this box of CDs that my mom would bring by. And it was a Tony Robbins, like Tony Robbins uh, personal power, I think. And she sat these, these CDs at my house and they sat there for like, I don't know, maybe two months, and I was like, I'm not going to listen to those, you know. She just thought, just try, just listen, you know. So I started listening to them, and I started doing the exercises, and he had these, like, really ridiculous-seeming, like, exercises, stuff where, like, you look in the mirror and you tell yourself, like, oh, I love you, you know. And it, it sounded so stupid and simple, but yet I couldn't do it. And so... um, so it was really just little by little trying to start working on my personal development and building up my self-confidence that really made a difference. Well, you, but back up, you said you couldn't do it. You couldn't look in the mirror and, and say positive things about yourself. No, no. Wow. I felt really bad about where I was in my life. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life and... Um, I felt, you know, not in my best shape after having a, a baby. Well, the Oreos probably didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> you think? I don't know. I have proof of it. It's, I, I have proof. Trust me. Um, so, so, okay. So, and, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to get too, too personal, but like, where was dad? So he, so when I left to go back to California, we kind of, we were not together. And then um, when William was born, he came out a couple times while he was in the hospital. Okay. But he was not living a, a healthy lifestyle. He oh, wasn't making good choices for himself. And I always had said um, I would never keep him from him as long as he was like a healthy 
good example and it was safe, you right, know? Right. So it wasn't really until like William's one year birthday, he came to William's one year birthday and um, he brought his girlfriend who uh, was pregnant. <laughs> oh, God. And so. Um, By him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so at that time, I actually moved back to Las Vegas because um, my friend who I was working with and doing the, um, the the marketing and sales for the event, he was actually supposed to get a TV show. Like um, he was pitched for a TV show and he wanted me to come out and be on the TV show. So um, I decided to move back out. And that's where we call him that guy. That's where that guy uh, and that girl was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they were out there. And um, so William and I came out there and we filmed a pilot for the show. And we were supposed to have this, you know, big TV show. And it was going to be great. But it never got picked up. It never really, you know, nothing really happened with it. Gotcha. And so then I was, I, I kind of just found myself over and over having a plan and making some progress, and then something would happen and I would get sidetracked. Yeah. And what I learned is the problem was I kept starting over. So instead of like readjusting or getting a new goal or just pushing through, I would like give up because I hadn't developed that muscle of pushing through and, and doing the work. Right. And so over and over and over I found myself starting over. I would move back to California and then I would move back to Las Vegas. And I was always not willing to continue doing the work. And it was until <clears throat> I went to a, I went to a, um, a personal development course and I had like a little mini, uh, a pre midlife crisis I'll say, <laughs> where, um, it was about, uh, so I read this book called The Passion Test, okay, and it's all about discovering your passions, and they had a seminar, and I went to the seminar, and they had you rate yourself in all these areas of your life of how passionate you are about each area of your life, mm -hmm. and I was like a zero in everything. I think I had like maybe a one Wow. in, in one area, and I thought, oh my <clears throat> God, like, what am I doing with my life, you know, like, what, this I always thought you're going to like figure that thing out or you're going to, you know, something's going to happen and then your life's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be set. It's going to yeah. be all figured out. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I this age and my life is not figured out yet? Like what, what is wrong? And it was like a light bulb that hit me that I realized, oh, there's no one pill or one course or one job. It's like an ongoing thing. It's a journey and you have to continue growing and continue learning. And it's not like you just get discouraged when something doesn't work and you give up. You have to keep going. Wow. And so I realized, oh, I can't keep starting over. I can't keep just giving up when something doesn't work. I have to keep pushing through. And that was really a wake up call for me. And really when I, it's really when I realized why I kept repeating the cycle over and over and over. So, so, and, and I, I mean, that's, that's a powerful awakening to have. Um, and, and you said you were a one in one area or something, but what, what was the scale up to? 
Like what? It was one to ten. But oh I god! Like zero. And you were all zeros. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So 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 there was nowhere to go but up for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I wasn't even on the scale. <laughs> Oh my god, that's funny. So, so you um you decided, okay, I got to get my crap together here and and get a life. Um what I mean and and we I can't even believe we're almost we're at like at almost we're at 50 minutes already. That's insane. <laughs> so so um at some point, didn't you did you end up in San Diego? Yes. So really about that time when I was like, okay, I got to get a plan and I got to stick with it. And if something takes me off track, then I got to like adjust and get back on track. Right. And this was about the time that William was starting school. And I was starting to see a lot of the same issues that I had when I was in school. And I thought, okay, this is not what I want for William. And I want him to learn to be successful and to have a passionate life and to know how to make money. And if I want him to learn that stuff, I know he's not going to learn it in school. So I got to figure it out so I can teach it to him. And I felt like, you know, I was struggling between finding financial success and family success. I was either like spending a lot of time with William and broke right. or I was um, making a lot of money and not spending time with William. And so for one, I wanted to have both. I didn't want to have to choose. And I wanted to set a good example so I could teach William how to do that too. So I started reading more books and taking more seminars and doing more personal development. There was a book that really totally changed my view of money and it's called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. T. Harvecker. Yes. Love so that, that book. book. Totally, totally changed my mind, my relationship with money. Yep. I went to one of his seminars, uh, Millionaire Mind Intensive. Yeah. And um, I met a group of financial advisors there. And I learned about how they're helping people, teaching people about money, um, how to make money, how money really works. They're making money. And I was like, oh, this is what I need. And so they were living in San Diego and they said, why don't you come out and work with us? Come to San Diego. I always wanted to live in San Diego. Wow. And so I decided to make the move and um, I got my, I studied for some of my licenses. I got my, my life insurance license while I was still in Vegas. And so that way I would move there and be licensed. Then I started working on my securities licenses when I got there. And so I moved during summertime in between, you know, when William got out of school, I went to San Diego and I started working with this group of people. And this other guy was also working with this group of people and his name was Martin Matthews. Really? That's how we met. Yeah. Nice. So you guys met in San Diego. Yes. And yeah. so that's exactly how you ended up in Atlanta. Cool. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How in God's oh, God. name do you go for? I've never been to San Diego. My wife's been there um, with her ex-boyfriend. Um, anyway, so, um, so so we're never going to San Diego either. That guy. <laughs> no. So so um, so you got so you guys met in San Diego. 
Um, mm -hmm. And there's this T. Harv Ecker thing that kind of revolves around it. It's one of my favorite books ever. I've recommended it to I don't know how many people. It's an amazing yes. book. Your financial blueprint is really yes. screwed up, people. So, yeah. And what we started doing in our financial business, we started combining the personal development with the financial development because it's not just about like what are the best products and services or investments for your money. If you don't have the right mindset or the right beliefs or habits about money, like it'll do you no good because you right. just keep doing the same thing. So we really started infusing that in with our financial business to be able to help people not only you know, build more wealth and protect it and plan for their future, but how to change their mind so that they actually stick to it and yeah. they actually can and can reach the goals that they want to. Wow. <clears throat> you Wow. You guys are amazing. So um, how did you, okay, so you ended up in Atlanta, Georgia, which mm -hmm. is the exact opposite side of the United States. Yes. <laughs> like it might even be on the same exact what's that called? Parallel. Like what it is yeah. Is it? It's pretty close. It's, I've looked on the map and it's, it's like almost be. a straight line. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure if you angle it right it, it probably is. But yeah. so so um how did that happen? How'd you end up in Atlanta? So we were in San Diego and there was a mentor of ours um, who has built a very successful business um, out here in Atlanta. And, you know, um, the closer you can get to success, the closer you can get it to yourself. And so instead of just, you know, listening to webinars and, you know, coming here for trainings, we wanted to be like right here as close as we could get. Um, to learning how to build our business the way that he has. And so we came out here so we could be closer and we could learn more and we can expand our business as well. San Diego is, well, California is a big state. And um, here there's like a whole bunch of, you know, little states close by each other. Right. And so it was really a great opportunity to come and learn from an amazing mentor and be able to really expand our business throughout, you know, this side of the country. Well, I mean, you, you got Alabama right there. It's just mm -hmm. exploding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, uh, you know, I used to live in West Virginia a long time ago, and, and it was one of the poorest states in the country. And then yeah. I remember looking it up, and, and Alabama was like, I think the the poorest maybe, but mm -hmm. um, but Georgia like is a, a, an unbelievable state. Atlanta is is New York of the South. So mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> it's an amazing city. So so um, so let's talk about. So you you, you guys are in in Atlanta now. You've been there for mm -hmm. quite a while. Um, you have a booming business or five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys have written a, a book. I, I I mean you've done all kinds of things. Um, what like? In your experience, and I ask everybody this on, on the show, in your experience, what do you see um, as being the biggest, the biggest obstacle that holds people back in life? And I'm not talking about just finances. Finance, you know, being financially healthy 
quite often is, 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 is a byproduct of being healthy in every other area of your life, right? So, mm-hmm. so what, what, is, what is it, in your opinion, that, that is, is the biggest challenge most people have that holds them back? Themselves. I would say that's too no come on we gotta go deeper than that well and I'll tell you why because um I'll give you an example and we I think we were chatting about this after um yeah you were done with uh Martin on Monday yeah and um so and I think it goes back to exactly why I got stuck in that same cycle of starting over and starting over and it'd be like why can't I just figure it out it's because of my mindset was not in the right way for me to continue pushing on. And so, like, um, Martin is really, like, the um, the one, like, healthy relationship that I've had. Before that, I have experience with, you know, all jerks and all bad relationships. <laughs> yeah. And so, at that Well, point, wait, I've seen Martin be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> when? I'm just kidding. He's amazing. And I so love that before dude. I met Martin, I had really kind of like written off relationships. I don't need a man. Uh, you know, I was playing the mom and the dad with William. Yeah. I had it covered. You know, I don't. I don't need anyone. And so um, then it all came back to William again. I thought, well, I don't want to deny William of having a healthy male role model in his life. I don't want to deny him of having a dad in his life. Right. So then I started thinking, okay, well, what kind of relationship would I want? What kind of qualities of a person would I want? And so I literally made a list of everything that I wanted in a relationship. That's actually an exercise from Tony Robbins that I learned too. So then it wasn't enough to just have that list and expect to find that person. Then I had another like light bulb moment where I realized, oh, I have to become the kind of person that would attract that kind of person. So it really is, we, I think that we get stuck in the thinking of what we want to have and what we're supposed to do to get it. But we forget, like, who we have to become. And so even when I read that book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, right. it was a whole mindset. It wasn't that I couldn't get the, the right jobs or I couldn't do the right business or I wasn't doing the right thing. It was my mindset. Yep. My mindset was set for scarcity and was set for struggle. And until I started believing that I could have abundance and looking for that, and then doing the things that I need to do to build that, it will never come. So I know that's an answer that when people say, oh, they're they're in their own way, but it really is. It's the way that they're thinking, and they have to believe that they can have the things that they want. And and here's something, too, when I used to look for validation from other people, yeah. is I realized I have to know that what I'm saying is real for me. I have to be confident in that. If I'm not confident and I'm telling you something and I'm only going to believe it if you believe it, yeah. well, then that's in my mindset. <clears throat> it's never going to happen. So I have to be strong and confident and you know, have a foundation of the right thinking, the right belief to really get out of my own way. Wow. That is so, so true. This has actually been an amazing interview. So, Thanks. so like, 
I mean, and and because I look, you get it, and I know Martin gets it too. And he he was he was an okay interview. I'm kidding. He was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> besides the technical issues we had, but he he was he was incredible. Um, so you know, and I'm sure that along your journey, you guys, you and Martin. Um, get the phone calls or get the the messages on messenger or or people reach out to you and and give you their 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 sob story i've i and i'm not i don't say that in a judgmental way i don't i i because every everybody's story um it can be very very painful i've been there i've been homeless four times and and you know i look back i wrote about this in my book i you know that Every single time I was homeless, it really came down to my own own choice. Like I, I just wasn't wasn't taking the action that that you you talked about. But you know the people that reach out and and they are um, they're stuck. They they they're they they're getting their utilities shut off. They're getting evicted. They're getting they're getting repoed. They're getting you know they they can't feed their family. They you know. They don't know what to do. They're stuck. They're paralyzed by that fear. And I know that you know about what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, what do you say to that person to get them into the moment and unstuck? What do you say to them? Well, it is a tough situation because I remember even I remember sitting in the Millionaire Mind Intensive and having these people tell these stories about, oh, last year I came and I was broke and this, and I thought, you know, I didn't know how I was going to do it. And now I'm saving, you know, thousands of dollars and I'm making all this money. You know, when you're in a place of desperation and nothing is going right, you really feel like, oh, that's great for you, but that's not going to work for me. You don't understand my situation. Everybody believes that their situation is so unique. And I think what happens is we get stuck in victim mentality and we think we don't have a choice. Right. And so and to get out of that, we have to actually take responsibility for where we are. And that's tough. That's tough to communicate to somebody because you don't want to tell them, well, it's your fault where you are. You know, that 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 doesn't go over very well. And it's hard to look at that. So the thing that that I think is the most helpful is just trying to help somebody understand they do. There is a way out. Right. And first you have to decide that you want to make a change and you have to take responsibility from your actions here on out. And so even if you don't know how you're going to get out of the situation, you first have to decide you want to get out of the situation. And then you have to get clear in what you do want. Because so many times I ask people, well, what do you want? They say, oh, this is going wrong and I can't have this and this isn't working. Okay, so what do you want? Well, I don't know, but I know I don't want this. So all they know is what they don't want, and that's all that they're attracting. And so the first thing is to really get clear on what you do want and visualize it happening and believe that you can have it. And just every single day, you have to take one action towards getting what you do want and stop focusing on what you don't want. And that was really hard for me. I was so good at focusing on struggle and scarcity, and, um, and it's so hard because you're like, but how am I supposed to not focus on these bills that I can't pay? Right. But it really is a muscle that you have to develop and you have to just learn how to catch yourself and shift your focus to what do you want and what can you do about it? 
Well, and I think, you know, it's like um, <clears throat> I was watching Sean Whalen last night on his live stream, and he's like, don't be a sissy sucking up buttercup. And like, <laughs> and, and I love Sean. He's actually a friend of mine. Um, but he's, he's uh, you know, he comes at you with, uh, with all guns a, a blaring. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I think a lot of people are, and I, I remember you're making me want to go reread that that book now because it's been I don't even know how long 15 years ago that I read it and and actually started following you know T Harv Eker and he's he's an amazing dude I'm connected with him on LinkedIn but um, so you know Grant Cardone talks about the um, you know. And I've seen this not just with people that I'm trying to sell a service or a product to, but I've seen it with with myself going to purchase a product or something or dreaming of that Ferrari or Lamborghini or that whatever and and saying literally out loud, oh, we can't afford it. And and, you know, that is one thousand percent programming and and. And I, I don't, I don't, you know, it's very, I, I'm telling everybody on this stream, and I know Chelsea will agree, Martin would agree, um, that that is a very difficult thing to change, mm -hmm. to, 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 to be down to, you know, a, a hundred bucks in, to your name or something, and look at a Lamborghini and think, that's going to be mine, <laughs> like, no, man, you can't pay your electric bill. You're not getting a Lamborghini is the other voice, right? Yeah. So, so I'll tell you how I started changing that language for me. And I want to hear back, it. I it comes back it. to William because I learned about how powerful the language that you use when it comes to money and anything that you want in life. And I didn't want to program William. I learned that, oh, my gosh, everything you learned growing up has programmed you for the way you believe and and act around money and so I thought I'll be damned if I'm gonna mess him up and give him bad money thoughts and so I started changing my language from we can't afford that to okay well let's see how we can make that happen let's right. see how can we earn the money and really that's how I started teaching William good money habits right I started putting the power in his hands of thinking how can you earn that money you want this thing so how can you earn the money and get the thing that you want. And so he actually, he's read Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. That was his bedtime story um, wow. a long time That's ago. That's so awesome. Yeah. And, wow. um, and so everything that I did to help grow myself, I also did with William because wow. I want to help build the right thoughts and habits and actions in him. So like we read Millionaire, uh, uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind together. We read Think and Grow Rich together. Wow. Um, he's read Grant Cardone books. Yeah. And so all of the things, I've taken him along on the journey. But really, those things that I didn't do for myself, I didn't want to mess him up. And so it really is what helped me to change those thoughts and those actions and those habits. And then it started producing change in my own life. Wow. That is so that's that that's just awesome. And, and, you know, as much as as, you know, people may think it's hokey, I don't think it's hokey at all. It's worked for me. And that is vision boards, like literally cutting out things out of a magazine or printing them off or 
and create a vision board. And I, I, I literally have one. I've, I've, like, I've accomplished almost everything on my vision board. I looked at it like I had it and had it hanging up for a long time. And then, you know, several years later, I'm like, oh, my God, I've accomplished everything on this thing except for one thing. And yeah. I will have that. But, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, people need to understand that this, this mindset and I, I think you agree, it's the most important thing to having not just success financially, but overall happiness and real joy in life. It's all about what's going on up here. Yep, totally, 100% agree. Yeah, wow. it all starts there. Well, I'm, um, you know, we're, we're a little over. I don't care. It's my show. We can go all day if we want. Um, <laughs> like I'll upload a six hour episode. I don't care. Um, but you know, like, cause you're, you're just, you're a bright shining light to this, to this world. I remember meeting you. you and you and Martin in Miami for the first time. And, um, I was, I was like shocked. You guys wanted a, a picture with me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wow. So, but kidding? no, We're a big fan. I, I was, I, I, I just love you guys. And, and so, um, you know, first let me say thank you. A huge thank you. I know how busy you guys are. So thank you for, um, taking time out of your schedule and Martin, cause he's, he's on here too. He's, I know he's, either right there with you or in the other room. So I'm very, very grateful for, for both of you. Um, our friendship has, has grown, and you guys are amazing. Um, but how? What's, what's next for you? What's coming up? So um, we're working on, we're helping William develop his business. So his business is kidsforwealth.com, and he teaches a kid's money system yep. to teach kids good money habits. So he's working on his book. He's working on a program. And um, we're expanding our speaking. Um, typically, we've done a lot of speaking in our own industry. And so we're branching out. And um, so if anybody has any events that, you know, any of our topics might be, you know, a good fit for, feel free to contact us. Um, we definitely want to expand our speaking and events. My ultimate goal that I want to um, build our business up to, we're expanding our agency also. So we're bringing on uh, people to help expand and grow our agency. Um, but what I really, really am working towards, like my big goal is I want to be doing family retreats on tropical islands all over the world. Oh. So I love tropical islands and I love helping families, you know, build yeah. an unbreakable financial house. And wow. so I would love to do, and I love retreats. So I thought, Hey, why don't I combine them all and for like the ultimate experience. So that's kind wow. of like the thing that I have my eye on and I'm doing little things along the way. Like, um, I'm speaking at other people's retreats, speaking at other events, um, that type of thing. So I'm working, you know, step yeah. by step towards it. Do you have it on a vision board? You know what? I need to update my vision board now that you're talking about vision I know. Boards. I'm sitting here uh, thinking the same one. thing. I do have one, yeah. but I need to put I need to put that on there. So thank you. Yeah, I, thank I'm you I'm sitting that. here thinking about five things I need to add to mine now. So but, you know, and that's the thing is people, people, um, you know, like I'm not one of those people where I, I go, oh, man, I didn't do a vision board and it's been, you know, whatever since I. So 
you know, I'll just forget it. I'm one of those people that's like, okay, so I screwed up, I forgot about it, I didn't do it, whatever, let's do it now, let's roll, let's let's complete that cycle and get her done, like, you know. So um, that's, that's and, and quite frankly, I think that's a huge element of success too, right? So, totally, yeah. that is huge because being able to like forgive ourselves yes. and not holding on to, oh my gosh, I screwed up and now it's just like ruined. Yeah. It's just like, hey, I think the thing is that so many people don't want to admit that they made a mistake or that they screwed up. Yep. And and the faster that we can admit that we screwed up and move on, yeah. the more it's not an issue. And, it's and like, it, okay, it, screw it, it just, up, move on. It gives you so much personal power. You know, it really does. People want to live in the, 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 and, and quite frankly, if you screwed up and you're, you're not willing to admit you screwed up, then you're living a lie. And the only way, only, there's nothing good that comes out of living a lie. So like, not at all. It doesn't help your self-esteem. It hurts you. Admit you're wrong, move on and, and kick some ass. Like, forget it. Like, let it go. Right. Yeah. Play the Elsa song. (laughs) <laughs> let it go so anyway so how hey how can everybody follow you so um i am on facebook at uh chelsea matthew chelsea reese matthews um and our website is our personal website is martin and chelsea matthews no sorry martin and chelsea.com <laughs> and that website kind of funnels to everything else so that's probably the best way to kind of like keep up to date and see what we're up to. I have it up on the screen. For some reason, it's in my history. So I was able to <laughs> just <laughs> click a button and pop it up on the screen. So martinandchelsea.com. Um, yes. And, and so, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and we're going to end this thing. But I got to say, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. I really genuinely appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you having me on. I think that it's amazing what you're doing. I love the stories that you're, you know, having people share. And I think it's so important because a lot of times people talk about the success and where they're at, but they don't always talk about the difficult things and the challenges that actually got them there. So I think it's really amazing. And we have always connected with you because you're just such a genuine person and you really show that you care for other people. And I really appreciate that. Well, thank you for that. I, I do. And I think you guys are the exact same way. So like attracts like. Yes. So, well, listen, Chelsea, thank you so much. And I want to say a special thank you to everyone on the stream who shared this out. There's some dude named Martin that is like, he, <laughs> must, he must be obsessed with you. Like a like, stalker. I know. What, better call the police. He's a stalker. He's my number you. one fan. <laughs> no, you guys are awesome. He can stalk awesome. me all he wants. Huh? <laughs> he can stalk me all he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So, so listen, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody who shared this out. Thank you for the love, the, the hearts, the likes. There's a lot of laughing cry faces on here, too. That's awesome. (laughs) That means we made Uh people laugh. So, Chelsea, thank you so much for being on and sharing all your wisdom. Thank you, Ken. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye.